Hello, friends, and welcome to the Wisdom for Life broadcast. This is Pastor Glenn with another episode that we hope will bless you. Okay, 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 17. When Samuel noticed Saul, let's break down his name. Saul means asked for or prayed for. You can look at this probably two different ways. One is, because he was a bad king later, you could tell Israel, well, you asked for it, right? Or you could look at it another way. With all intentionality, Saul started out pretty well. He was what the people were praying for. Have you ever seen yourself as an answer to prayer? Well, that's what his name meant. You, you, you were asked for. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Should I go any farther? Are you, are you picking up what I'm laying down? Somebody at some point in time had a need and prayed, and you're what they asked for. Huh. Okay. So when Samuel noticed Saul, the Lord said, that's the man I told you about. He will rule my people. Just then, Saul approached Samuel at the gateway and asked, can you please tell me where the seer's house is? Now the reason why he's asking is is his dad's donkeys are gone. They lost their donkeys. How many of you know that's catastrophic? No, catastrophic is when you lose a bunch of cats. <laughs> Jackastrophic <laughs> is when you lose all your donkeys. <laughs> I'm looking for the seer so he can help me find my donkeys. Verse 19, I'm the seer, Samuel replied, going up the hill ahead of me to the place of sacrifice. We'll eat there together and in the morning, what, 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 why in the morning? Why in the morning? It's almost like Samuel saying, pump the brakes. Slow your roll. What you're chasing right now isn't what's important. You're distracted right now by this. And the deception is in the distraction. You're diverted right now. You know, one of the most strategic ways to conquer an enemy that is more powerful than you is to cause a diversion. You ever watch Rambo? Come on, I get my education from these things. One guy, 300 Vietnamese, Viet Cong, he, he starts by a diversion, a distraction. When I was working in the prison, we called it pull the man. What one offender would do is he would come up to the officer and get the officer all tangled up in what looked like an emergency. While on the other end of the range or the dorm, they're beating the tar out of somebody. So what's in front of you isn't always what's important. What you're facing isn't, isn't always what God wants you to do. And so what Samuel says here is, you're going to sleep on this because you're diverted, you're distracted, you don't understand. God's called you to be an answer. God's called you to be a king, and you're chasing donkeys. How about a little more? Mm -hmm. Look what he says. 
In the morning I will tell you what you want to know and send you on your way. And don't worry about those donkeys. They were lost how many days ago? It's almost like, hey, disciples, don't worry about the kingdom. You thought it was lost three days ago? Three days later? Boys are back in town. Three days ago, what, you were, what you're distracted by now, they've already been found. Can, can, I, can I submit to you, let's just stop right there. Can I just submit to you that what you think is the problem is not the problem, and what you're facing has already been solved? God has a calling on your life. He birthed you into such a time as this to deal with something that He's called you to. And instead of dealing with it, you think, you think what's in front of you that's diverting you and distracting you deserves your attention. Pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus this morning, help us to understand that when somebody decides to listen to the Father and sacrifice good for great, Help us to understand that that is how Jesus lived. That good must be sacrificed for the greater. So that we will do the things that you've called us to do by mission. For your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen. I grew up in Chicago area. I grew up learning to drive in the Chicago area. Uh, I spent lots of times on six and seven lane, eight lane highways that would narrow down into one, just one toll booth. <laughs> so imagine this, when I got started in ministry, there was a particular place where I worked that was in, on the other side of the city, in the suburbs, but I had to drive an hour and a half from this side of the city, from the east side to the west side, and it took an hour and a half to get there, just because of the traffic. And I seen all kinds of things every single day. You want to talk about distracted people. You ever see distracted people driving? I mean, we got a thing in our car. We just say this to each other. It's not even a complete sentence. Phone. They're on their phone. Light turns green. Ten seconds later, they're on their phone. You know, you know, and then, then they're like, oh, and the phone goes flying up in the air, you know, or something like that. You know, I never beep. I don't beep. distracted. I, I, I've been on the highway before and just literally in the Chicago area, I've seen people read newspapers. 70 miles an hour reading a newspaper. Putting on their makeup. That's called farting. D. Farting. Putting on your makeup while driving. I want to say farting. It's, a, it's not It's not good especially at 75 miles an hour, 80 miles an hour, right? All right? Uh, how about this? I pull up to a toll booth one day, and I look at the guy that's next to me, and we're all fighting for the same lane, and I let him have the lane, and just as he's blowing past me, I want to put a face to that guy that just got, had to get in front of me, eating a bowl of cereal. <laughs> I just... Do you ever just want to put a face to the person that's acting like a weirdo? You just got to look, don't you? Because you know, look at how crazy they're driving. And it's like, i got to see what they look like. That's me. i got to see what they look like. And then I pull up and it's like, yeah, <laughs> a bowl of cereal. Distractions can be deadly. I don't know who I'm preaching to here today. 
There are two types that I want to cover this morning, just a short period of time. One is emergent distractions. These are the kind that everybody thinks is an emergency, but isn't an emergency. And by the way, your lack of preparation doesn't constitute an emergency, necessarily on my part. Did you ever see Jesus responding the way most people expect people in ministry to respond today? He walked away from people all the time. I don't think you're hearing me. Because what what the Father was calling Him to do was greater than the good. Good must be sacrificed for great. What you think is an emergency isn't always an emergency. And by the way, it may not even be your emergency. But this is how the devil gets the church to get wrapped up in crisis so that they miss Christ. It's like Debbie Dilemma. Do you know who these people are? I picked a name that I didn't think was in this church, so don't get mad. Debbie Downer Dilemma. Every Sunday, every Wednesday night, it's more emergency. And yet I don't see that as a pattern for New Testament saints. It's like your life is a constant car wreck, train wreck. I'm not telling you we shouldn't care. I'm just saying if that's all we care about, we'll miss Jesus. And we'll put somebody's constant emergency up on a pedestal of idolatry. Are you hearing me? And the other kind is this. It's being distracted by emotions. Saul is distracted by two of them. Even though he's called to be king, he doesn't have a clue of what he's called to because he's chasing donkeys, the emergency. Are the donkeys important? No! But we're going to just get ourselves all tangled up in blue. We're going to get all wrapped up in that. Can I help you with this? Kenny Rogers wrote a song that helps me. you got to know when to hold them. you got to know when to fold them. you got to know when to walk away. you got to know when to run. You don't have this, you don't have the luxury of letting everything that comes to your attention become your immediate focus. If you do that, you'll be off track the rest of your life. Listen, if you don't get a focus for your life, the devil will make sure you have one. He'll constantly put emergency in your life so that you will not complete the thing that God has called you to do. And Saul was distracted not only by the emergent, But he was also distracted by feelings. (laughs) Emotions. We find that the next morning, after he's told that he's anointed to be king, there's a short space of time, and then after that short space of time, what happens next? Everybody is in the streets rejoicing. The women are dancing, the guys are dancing, everybody's happy. We finally got a king. Where's Saul? Hiding. In the King James Version, it says he's hiding among the equipment or the stuff. He's hiding because he's afraid. If it's not an emergency that the devil will put in your path, he'll put an emotion. And before long, your life will be a constant scratched record where you never quite get to the chorus of the song. Where everything just gets a little bit to one place and then you hit that scratch again. And then you back right back up to where you were again. 
And that is no way to live. You're not called to that. Listen, you decide. I'm pretty good with body language and I'm reading it. You decide. What's the last 15 months been for you? What's the last three years been for you? Listen, is everybody else wrong? Or are you distracted? Is there a conspiracy to stop you? Listen, come on. I'm your friend. Is the whole world conspiring to keep you from what God's called you to do? Or is that just an excuse because you're distracted? Where are we going, Bill? All right. His name meant asked for. <laughs> you asked for it. But, but, but somebody asked for you. Somebody asked for me. Somebody prayed. Somebody wanted and needed a leader. Somebody with vision. Somebody with focus. And if you're not willing to walk away from certain things, then you'll never be brought by God to where you're supposed to be. You see, people like, people like uh, for, for instance here, think about this. Think about Samson. He wasn't willing to walk away from the three Philistine women that he was in love with. By the way, he was brought and anointed by God to be a judge to deliver Israel from the Philistines. And yet he wouldn't walk away from Philistine women. And because of that, he had his eyes gouged out. His vision was what was at stake. And my Bible says, my people perish for lack of vision. I'm talking about vision. Yeah, it does say knowledge too. Vision. He wouldn't walk away from Delilah. You know what her name means. Restlessness. You know what his father's name means? Manoah? Rest. Father, rest. Did he get rest? Nope. Because he was distracted. By two things. By a hot woman and a hot mess. So quiet. I don't know anything about hot women and I don't know anything about hot mess. You talk about that in church. All right. Jesus in calling us, Jesus in calling us to minister to people, set forth a paradigm, a principle, even in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 16 or Matthew chapter 10 verse 12, he said this, I'm sending you out and when you go out, listen, wherever you go, come into a home, and if they receive you, then great. If they don't, shake the dust off your feet. Now we read that, and we think, well, what does that mean? What would it, you know, obviously we're in an arid climate, but is there more to that? Have, I, have you ever considered that the first time dust is mentioned in the Bible, it's in Genesis chapter 3, where the serpent is cursed by God, and he says, you'll crawl along on your belly and you'll eat dust. You'll eat dust. So if you're in the presence of someone who isn't receiving the gospel, don't be a dust eater. Don't be dist- Dust. Dust. 
People that mourned in the Old Testament would cover themselves in dust. I love what David did. He got the mourning over with when he lost his son. You remember what he did? Shook the dust off and got busy with the kingdom. Well, three years later, five years later, six years later, ten years later, you're living dead. At some point, you've got to be willing to say, devil, you're on notice. Enough is enough. I'm not mourning anymore. I'm turning my mourning to joy. I'm not going to sit in this dust anymore. I'm not going to eat dust anymore. I'm going to get on with my assignment and I'm going to do it for the glory of God. And there's nothing more you can do that can stop me. I'm going to teach you hell and I'm going to put you on notice, devil, that the more you bring against me, the more I'm going to serve my Lord. So what you're going to learn is if you try to distract me, I'm only going to get more focused. I'm going to get like a laser beam, man. I'm going to be like a uh, an eight-year-old fat kid with a magnifying glass in the backyard killing ants. That was me. Me. And I'm going to burn through whatever you put in front of me. I'm going to have laser focus. Your focus determines your reality. If you're distracted, listen, here, here's, here's the worst thing in the world. A, a, a beam of light, if... if if it's, if it's focused correctly, can burn through steel. If it just dissipates, it doesn't do anything but possibly light up a room. I don't want to do more than light up a room. I want to burn through hell. And I don't want to be distracted. And it takes a discipline. It really does. You're going to have to give up the donkeys. <laughs> You're going to have to stop hiding in the hurts. You're going to have to walk away from a few things. I love what 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 22, it says, Therefore they inquired of the Lord further, Has the man come here yet? And the Lord answered, There he is, hiding among the equipment. When he's first called out by God to do something of kingship, he's chasing donkeys. And next, when it's time to be a king and do what God had called him to do, they can't even find him. He's hiding among the stuff, the baggage, the stuff. It bothers me. I see Christians live their lives like Mrs. Howe on Gilligan's Island. You've packed 10 bags with 10,000 changes of clothes for a three honking hour tour. You're so loaded down with stuff, emotional baggage. It's the same story. What happened five years ago, have a funeral for it. Take it out in your backyard, dig a hole, write it on a piece of paper, put it in the yard, put dirt over it, go, thank you, Lord, and walk away and have some joy. Do you really need all that stuff? Oh, you're not just wearing you out. Hey, listen. Everybody wants me to say this right now. You're wearing out everybody with that stuff. You ever, you ever, you ever go to the airport? You ever go to the airport and uh, you go to baggage claim and there's that one person that's just like, 
where did you go that you needed? Either you've never flown before. Maybe you don't know how this works, but you've got so much stuff. And, and I can almost see the guys that, you know, the bus boys and the different guys that kind of help people with their luggage. They see that person coming and they're like, whoa, you know, tip them with a buck or something. But it's like, where did you go that you needed all that stuff? This only needed to happen to be one time. One time I flew out to Carlsbad, California. And I was out there at a conference. And, uh, and I was like, hey, I told my wife, hey, while we're out here in this conference, we're going to go up to L.A. too, man. It's going to be awesome. We're going to see movie stars and stuff. And we did. It was cool. It was awesome. You don't care. Anyway, I packed the biggest suitcase I could find. I filled it with all kinds of stuff that I would need. I put everything in that suitcase. I don't need to carry on. How many of you know that right now I got the stupid disease? That is, you don't, you, if, if you've ever flown, you know it's all about the carry-on. Come on. And the carry-on small. The carry-on small. The other bag, you put all the other stuff in there that you don't really need. You picking up my drift? Because they lost that big old bag when I got out to Carlsbad. And we didn't find that big old bag until five days later. Say no more. Lesson learned. I had to go get some you know what? I wasn't going to make it. And that, that learned me. Here's, what, here's how it learned me. It taught me to go light. It taught me to live my life in such a way that I didn't care. Listen, we've moved a few times in ministry. And my wife and I, we're, in, we're a great team. She's, uh, she's a lot better than me in just about everything but this one area. And I love you very much. 99.9% .9 of the time she's right. Here's the only time I'm right. When we move, when we move, I get rid of everything. Like a beast. If it's junky, if it's nasty, if we hadn't used it in five years, that's what they got eBay for. I'll sell it. I'll get rid of it. I don't want it. You know why? Because I love to be light. I got no friends in here. I figured like five dudes would be like, yeah, me too, man. Me too. I'm going to tell you road right now. You ever move? Okay. I'm, I've lived all over the country, man, and I'm here to tell you. I don't like to get the bigger truck. Hey, I'm, I'm not, you don't know this guy, but I'm going to bust on him a little bit. The guy that replaced me at the last church, get a load of this. You have to take this part out because people listen. All right? Two semis. I love this guy, but two semis? I didn't say his name. Don't get all upset. I pulled up in the mid-range rider. And if I could have got it in the, like, the granny rider, I would have. I like to travel light. And I'll tell you why. Because all that stuff needs your attention. There's really no way to, there's no way to sweeten your tea with this message. I got I to tell you the truth. You... All that stuff is taking up your calling. Get, get, a, get, a, get, a, get a grip. You know what? You, you know what? If you've got a lot of stuff, then, then uh, maybe you need to learn how to give things away. Oh, it's a blessing. B brighten somebody's day. You don't have a sofa? I got five. Here you go. What are you going to do with that? 
There was a time when all our kids lived home and then they started moving out. We had like four cars. I'm like, I'm giving them cars away. And they're like, no, you're not, Dad. I sold them in two days. I drive by houses. That, listen to me. I drive by houses. That, what are you doing? What are you doing if you've got four cars in the front of your house jacked up? Those things haven't moved in five years. And then you're mad at the city because they came and put, come on now. I'm making friends. Glennhammonds at gmail.com. Don't invite the pastor over at your house. You've still got Christmas tree lights up from last year. Come on. Come on. If you're going to keep them up that long, don't ever put them up, please. Spare us. The stuff. Do you need 20 yard gnomes? You can't even mow anymore because there's so many things in your yard. I just weed whack now, you know, because that, I get around. You got, you're hung up, man. And it's that way with emotions and pain and hurts and, and stuff. And listen, I need five years of counseling. No, you don't. You don't need five years of counseling. We serve Jesus Christ who beat death. He beat death. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All the old has passed away. I ain't going to see some shrink for five years. Let's sit down and talk one more time about your problem. For $150. Here's what Jesus said, okay? I'm not against counseling. I'm just against getting ripped off. Luke 9.1. He called the 12 together. He gave them power and authority. Here's what they carry. Here's the important stuff. The kingship, Saul. You've been, you've been called by God to be an answer to prayer. Here's what's important. Here's what to carry. Jesus called the 12 together. He gave them power and authority to drive out demons, to cure diseases. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And then he told them, take nothing. Nothing for your journey. No staff. No bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. No whitey tidies. No, that's not in there. But take, oh, it's hard for Americans. It's like the Fonz trying to say sorry. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Well, pastor, have an altar call this morning for baggage claim. And then all of these, all of these bags get laid down at the altar, altar and then picked right back up and taken right back out the doors. And then Sunday we'll do the same thing again. And then we'll, we'll say, here's my bag again, I'm back with it, and I put it right back here at the altar, and then I pick it right back up and I walk right out the door. And I chase donkeys. <clears throat> Meanwhile... Meanwhile, the nation is oppressed. That's what was going on in Israel. They didn't just want, an, they just didn't want a king because they wanted to be like other nations. That's true. But the truth is, they were constantly being marauded. They were constantly being invaded. God set up a series of judges to take care of that, but the condition was getting worse. 
They needed a king in order to have an army in order to protect the people. And Saul was the answer to prayer. And instead, he chased donkeys and hid in the stuff. Huh. I want you to see something in the New Testament. You know, when Jesus sent them out, He didn't send them out with... Uh, Well, let's see how let's just see how mad I've made you so far. He didn't send them out with membership books. He didn't send them out with how long they attended a church. He didn't send them out with ceremonial robes. There, I got off you a little bit, went on to. He didn't send them out with a building program. He didn't send them out with a whole idea. Watch this, watch this. You can even come in my office and pick on me a little bit. He didn't send them out with five bookshelves full of scrolls. You know you're going to need all this. You, you know you're going to need all this because, uh, because the, gospel is, <laughs> the gospel is so complicated. It's so convoluted. It's so spaghettified. You know, you're going to need all these books because, because if you don't get all these books, do you realize the body of Christ today, at this moment, is more educated than their level of obedience? You, are, you and I are so educated about this stuff. But we're chasing donkeys. I dare you to be used by God to lead one person to Christ before the year's out. That'd be a start. You put that on me too. You know why? You know why? Because that's the goal. That's the goal. That, that's, that's what we're supposed to do. That's what's supposed to take up our time and our energy and our passion. That, that's what God wants us to be focusing on. And, uh, and also with the emotions. God has healing for you. But let me just say that uh, even the world at hospitals have checkout times. You know, at a hospital, when they, when they say you can go home, it's a good thing. <laughs> Did you know that? Yeah, because, you know, the healing isn't just in coming to a place of healing like this, but it's in going out and getting back to life, to living. Hey, can I, can I just share something with you as a friend? Just, just, I'm not preaching anymore. I promise. Can I just share something with you as a friend? Let me tell you what. There it is. I have a purpose. It's not your purpose. And I won't be distracted by your purpose. That took this. I'm not going to be 
distracted by your purpose. I'm not your boy. You have a purpose. Do not be distracted in your purpose. You're not anybody's slave. You're a child of God. Go to your destiny every day and don't let a donkey, there's donkey people too, don't let a people stop you. Don't let anything get in the way of what God's called you to do.